You're listening to episode 27 of the STEM Space. Today we're talking about a really exciting STEM project that you can do with your students, launching a high altitude balloon to the edge of space. Welcome to the STEM Space, hosted by Vivify co-founders Claire and Natasha. Two aerospace engineers turned educators, sharing our passion for all things STEM. Check us out at vivifystem.com. Hey, Natasha. How are you doing, Claire? How's it going? Uh, it's going really well, maybe even too well, because I'm a little bit overwhelmed. Uh-oh. What so, do you have going on? All really good things, but I am starting on a project with my fifth and sixth graders that I'm super excited about, that I know you have had years of experience in, but... Now it's like ramping up to where we're getting all these sponsorships to do this project. And so now it's like actually going to happen and I need help. So do you know what I'm talking about? I think I have an idea. Are you talking about this really exciting thing where you send something to the edge of space and then you have to go get it and find all your footage? Oh, yeah. We're talking about (laughs) launching a high altitude balloon. Woo! Best ever. So I'm super excited. And I wasn't sure we were going to be able to do this project because it's pretty pricey. And we're a small school. So I reached out to some other businesses that have students that go to my school. And then I reached out to a big news channel in the area just saying, hey, we want to do this project. It's a weather balloon. It's going to collect atmospheric data and our students are really excited, but we really need some extra funding to bring it to fruition. So just throwing it out there. And then I got an email back today that said, yes, we will sponsor you and pay for the project. And we're going to send our meteorologist to help you and however you would like. And we want your kids to come tour our news station and see how they do the weather reporting. And so now I'm like, this is amazing. But also this is a lot of pressure on making this a success. So I need your help in walking me through what this project is, what it looks like. And how do I make sure that this is going to be an amazing, successful event for my students? Well, first of all, congratulations on getting the funding. I know you've been talking about this for a while, and I'm so excited that your students will have this opportunity. um, Because as you know, I've done this project now. I've launched six weather balloons. They've all had some degree of success. There's a lot of stories there on how they went, but the best part of this project is how unpredictable it is, which mimics how things are, you know, in the real world. Things don't normally go according to plan. And I know you're a planner and you're (laughs) going to try to have everything perfectly planned out. So that's the first thing you've got to do is just release (laughs) some of that control. Because once you launch that weather balloon, that's where you're like going to have to freak out and be like, oh my gosh, where's it going? Is the tracking working? Because unfortunately a lot can go wrong with this because you're just relying on things that are, again, out of your control. But that's what makes it so fun and dramatic. And then the end result, the kids have to go get this weather balloon. So yes, I'm here to help you. I've done this um, using kind of different payloads, different setups. So ask me your questions. What do you want to know? 
So we're about to jump into this project. And I guess the question I want to ask first is what is the big picture of this project? What am I getting into and what should I look forward to for my students to get out of this? Yeah. So I think the big part of the weather balloon is it's just like a wow factor, right? And in the basic sense, okay, what is this weather balloon high altitude project? You are taking this latex balloon that is massive and filling it up with helium and attaching a payload. So basically some kind of instruments to this balloon and you're releasing it and it's going up and up and up. And you can talk about the science of why that's happening and it'll keep going until eventually it gets so big that it pops. And then the whole thing comes crashing down Hopefully you have a parachute so it doesn't literally crashing. <laughs> it literally doesn't crash. Yeah. So hopefully your parachute works and then you're going to track where it lands. Go get your payload back where you probably have a really cool GoPro camera attached and you get this epic footage. You can have other science experiments on there, science data that you can capture, but that's how the weather balloon works, right? Now, what that means for your project is up to you. So you can make this a science experiment. So you could have some cool scientific uh, tools on there, measure atmospheric pressure, humidity, temperature as it changes. One of the fun experiments we did was a Venus flytrap. Someone wanted to send it up there and see what happens. Like, can it still work? There's all sorts of stuff you can do. You can make it an engineering design challenge. So one year I had the students design the payload. So we had to figure out the CG. How do you get it to stay upright? What are the other parts of this payload to keep the equipment at the right temperature? Because it gets really, really cold as it's going up. So those are really the two objectives I've had. So either the scientific focus or the engineering design focus. But in the end, it's this epic project, tons of real world connections. You can bring in, you know, career speakers on the different aspects of the project, connect the weather, the science. There's just so many directions. It's it's an awesome project. I'm really excited and also intimidated by the many directions that this can go. So first off, we definitely do want to include a science experiment. My kids are actually wrapping up science fair this week. So we've talked a lot about the scientific method and what it takes to be a scientist and the benefits it can provide to humanity. And since they will be taking a lot of atmospheric data, I want them to be able to use that data to process something or analyze something. So Venus flytrap is what you did. You didn't, what happened with it? Did it die? You'll have to find out. So that's one of the questions you can ask is, will it survive? And it can be a bug or a plant or whatever your kids want to do. Someone wanted to know if a popcorn kernel would pop because of the change in atmospheric pressure. They were wondering if the lower pressure would cause this popcorn to expand. I proved to them beforehand that it would not work. Um, so they were convinced. But something that they're just curious, like what happens when I send something to these extreme temperatures, this change in atmospheric um, pressure, how does that impact whatever it is I want? So it's really kind of up to their imagination on what they want to send. My focus has not has been less on the scientific experiment itself and more on the overall project with the goal to capture epic footage. 
And so we always fought over what was be, would be in that camera view. So the kids would 3D print different things, um, like a school mascot, um, like the logo, different things that could be in that GoPro view. And then we would talk about as it's going up, what are we seeing? And then how is that temperature changing? And so it came back more of a, us understanding the layers of the atmosphere and just kind of the overall atmospheric science and less of a, a real science experiment um, because it, it's just it's kind of hard to set it up and really have something with valid data that the kids will get excited and out of a, a lot out of, but that's just my experience. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also you're limited a lot to the weight of your payload. Is that correct? Yes. So you can't really do a big experiment on it. I could see how just understanding the atmosphere, the atmosphere itself is a, is an experiment in itself. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about equipment. What I did, because this is my first time is I bought the kit from highaltitudescience.com and they have like a ready to go kit for high altitude balloon launches. They, a lot of schools just purchase, purchase that kit and it has everything you need to do your first time launch, except for the helium, of course, does not come with helium to fill your balloon or a GoPro camera, but it does have a flight data computer, which takes the temperature, pressure and altitude readings. And it does come with a type of GPS tracker besides needing a GoPro camera to get this amazing footage. What other things would you recommend or what other like redundancy even of that mm -hmm. kit do you think is necessary? Yep. So mm -hmm. uh, heads up for all of our listeners. I have a series of pod of blog posts that we've put on the website that I chronicled a couple years ago as I was doing this project. So if you are jumping in and like you said, Claire, it is overwhelming and there's a lot. <laughs> Feel free to read those as a starting point. And then we have a complete guide, which has a supply list of everything you need. And it's centered around this high altitude science kit. I highly recommend it. It really is turnkey. It's so easy to put together. The extras, GoPro camera, like you mentioned, and I put in a second tracker. The reason I do that is from personal experience. I had used their kit and it's a triangle. I'm doing hand motions that you can't see, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a triangle. And on one end, they so the way they have you set it up is there's a camera on mm -hmm. one end, the tracker on the other end, and on the third mm -hmm. corner is your flight computer. And that's supposed to make your CG be in the center and balance it when it lands. Well, if you are landing on a tree, it could catch a branch and it could topple right? Mm -hmm. Or it could get caught in a in some brush or shrubs or anything can really happen, especially, you know, if you're in a landscape that has lots of terrain versus like a flat place. And Claire, you're going to be landing probably somewhere very flat. So that is a positive. That's my goal. Yes. <laughs> my crop. Yeah, perfect. Um, so one of the times we landed next to a tree and this the tracker was hidden and it the way the trackers work is it needs to see the sky because it's connecting to a satellite. And then that satellite is beaming back to me, telling me here is where it landed. So we got a signal 
until about 10 minutes before it landed. There's a point where there's like a blackout zone where you don't get any readings. And then it landed and then I heard nothing. And so for about 12 hours, we got no signal. We thought it was gone forever. And then something happened in the sky. I don't know. The satellite moved. The winds <laughs> changed the motion or wherever the, the payload landed. And we got a signal and we were able to track it. And so it was when we found it, it's because it landed in a certain way where it was hidden behind a rock. And so my GPS tracker didn't have full view of the sky. And so since that day, I've always had two GPS trackers facing in completely opposite directions. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's really helpful. So like one facing up and the other facing down. Is that the orientation that you use? Yeah, you can. I've done that. And I've also done one facing up and one facing perpendicular to it. Okay. Hmm. So you can get creative. Um, and then there's that gimbal, I think yeah. you were asking about, where you can have it always facing up. And I've always wanted to do that. I've never tried it. So that's something you could try. I think I'm going to try it. I'm concerned about the weight of adding a gimbal, but I think it would be really useful and really cool to get my students to have that. Since we're going to buy the kit, I do want them to engineer something. And so that would be something really cool that they could figure out. Perfect. Yep. And that's the thing with a kit is it's turnkey. So there's only assembly required. You just read step-by-step -step directions. No real engineering is taking place. The only thing we added to it was kind of an extension for our little 3D printed model. So it could be in the GoPro camera view. I did build a payload from scratch, like I men mentioned with some middle school kids. I do not recommend it at all. It was very complicated. And my background in engineering, I was really struggling to just feel confident that it would land upright. There's just so many factors and they've kind of perfected the design. So I just recommend going with it. And then maybe after like balloon launch four or five, <laughs> you can go into designing your own payload. Okay. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I saw in some of your videos that I believe are linked in the blog, or at least in the guide, is that you had two GoPro cameras on some of the balloons. And tell me about that. So the kids really wanted to see the parachute pop. I'm not the parachute, the balloon pop and the parachute deploy. So we had a camera facing up. And then, of course, we wanted to see it, the land as it goes up. And so we had the other one facing out to the horizon. You could also have a GoPro camera facing down so you can get the aerial view. Um, but the fun part about the one where the balloon was popping is I had a little surprise in that parachute. So it just so happened that I was pregnant with my first daughter when we were launching that balloon. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to do a gender reveal at the edge of space? <laughs> so inside, yeah. yeah. So inside the parachute, I put um, a certain color of material that when the parachute deployed, it would reveal either pink or blue. So gender reveal. And so I didn't tell the kids, I had them watch the video. And so the GoPro camera pointing up, they saw the balloon pop and then the parachute deployed and then there was pink that came out. And so that was my epic gender reveal. That is seriously epic. That's amazing. I, I don't think I can really top that. Um, <laughs> so you can put a secret message in there as the parachute opens. That is so true. Just like the Perseverance rover did. Did you catch that? 
Yeah, I love those Easter eggs. So that might be something that I'll have to incorporate into ours or maybe have the students come up with it. Yeah. There's an article that I'm going to show them this week about perseverance and the parachute that had the secret coded message. And it also talks about all the other Easter eggs from the other rovers, like the braille that was on the last the lander the insight lander had some braille on it that was a secret message and then the tracks made by the wheels on curiosity i believe also had i think it was morris code on some sort of message as it roamed through the dirt Um, and they don't tell anybody about it they just expect those internet sleuths to to see it and be like wait that's something (laughs) so that's so cool I'll have to come up with something to put on ours that maybe after the video footage comes out that they'll figure it out. It'll be pretty cool. Yes. And any way you can get the kids to personalize the payload is the way to go. And one year we had the kids take uh, different colored trash bags. This sounds weird, but we cut it up into streamers and they each got a streamer to personalize and they can write whatever message they wanted to. And the reason I chose trash bags is they're so lightweight and pretty indestructible. And so they could write on it and attach it around the the triangle payload. So as it was going up, these streamers were um, coming down in the colors of the school. And so that's just an idea because you've got to be careful about weight. Like you mentioned, there is a limit um, from the FAA on what your weight can be. Otherwise, you have to go to a whole other classification, get another type of permission. So be really careful when you're doing this project. Read the guidelines from the FAA on what the requirements are for this payload. Yeah, that's a really great point. I love that you incorporated 3D printing on this to personalize as well. I think that's really cool and also can be really lightweight. So uh, I'll definitely be looking into that. So since you brought up the FAA, is it legal to launch one of these balloons? (laughs) So last I checked, which was a couple years ago. So Claire, you're going to need to update our audience. Um, But yes, there again, there are special requirements on the weight of the payload um, for this to be legal. You also need to be really careful about airspace. You have to be a certain distance away from um, an airport and you need to notify any airports that are close by, especially for airplanes taking off landing. You don't want them tangled up in your weather balloon. That's, you know, definitely don't want that to happen. And so it's really the taking off and landing that is the most dangerous time um, for interference with aircraft. You can control the takeoff. You cannot control where it lands. You can try like, you know, by looking at the weather conditions, but that's difficult. And so there is actually guidelines on how to contact the FAA. And there's like a whole procedure to let them know, hey, I'm launching this weather balloon. This is where I'm doing it from. This is where I expect it to land. Um, But it's definitely legal as long as you follow the rules. And I would say that's one thing I noticed that's not in the kit that's provided by high altitude science is they don't give you a lot of those safety features that I think would be really helpful to pilots. Um, My husband is a pilot. I'm a student pilot. And so I'm really aware of how dangerous this could be to aircraft. So I do know that it's super important to file that notice to airmen is what it's called. It's called a NOTAM. So I'll definitely be doing that. You have to file that within 24 to 72 hours, I believe, of your launch. So you really need to know 
all the information and let the FAA know all that information before your launch day. Um, even if you're not sure if the weather is going to cooperate, you need to go ahead and file that, right? Yeah. And One note here about that notum. It doesn't happen very often. And so when I called, they had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> and I, I had a whole script written out and I was like, it's this number, you know, you have the script clear. So it's in the guide and I just read it verbatim. And then they're like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I'm launching a high altitude balloon. And they're like, why didn't you just say so? And like, you really have to notify us. And I was like, yeah, that's what it says you're supposed to do. So expect some, not skepticism, but more like, thanks for letting us know, but it doesn't seem to be common practice, you know, for kids to be launching weather balloons all the time. Um, I just thought it was funny that they had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that's not a common occurrence that they get. That's really funny. Um, yeah, and there's another thing that I will be updating our guide as I go through this, obviously, with anything else that I learned through this experience, since it has been a few years um, since... Uh, you last did it, so there might be some other updates. One thing that I am going to purchase, and maybe this is new, is a radar reflector. And they're like $25 on Amazon. It's really lightweight. It's just a little kind of a ball thing that reflects radar, and it will show up on an airplane's radar and air traffic control. So it's an added safety measure that you can even tell the FAA if there is one of those stickler guys that you call, and they're like, oh, no, 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 you know, you can't do this. Um, one, you can throw the rule book at them and be like, actually, I can. There's guidelines. But also, I've gone through these extra safety measures. So um, definitely I, going to make it safe. Yeah, I did add that on my last launch. So we had the balloon string, the radar reflector, more string, and then the payload is the setup that was recommended. And it, it did not add interfere with the payload. It was great. Another thing you can add, which you asked me, are there redundancies, is other ways to track it. So there is the GPS tracker. Um, there is a way where you can get a ham radio license and have this like special transmitter. They do sell it, I believe, still on the high altitude science, right? Yeah. Um, but don't just buy it if you do not have the ham radio license because then you cannot operate it. But this is a great opportunity to get out to your local um, community and see if there is some an engineer, maybe at a local engineering company that has the ham radio license and can help you operate it because then they can use um, their signal, their code and help you keep track of it. So I did that on the last launch. I had a mechanical engineer come out. He set it up for us. It was really nice to be able to track. So I recommend it. But if you're a teacher doing this for the first time, it's a process to get that license. It's an entire manual you have to read. So unless you got the time or some students that are dedicated, um, I would leave that up to some local expert. Yeah, that's really cool. I was looking into it because I saw that I was like, oh, sure. And I was like, oh, you have to take this test and do all this studying. And I was like, oh, this, is, this is a little bit much. So definitely might look into finding a person. But um, and that's the benefit of that is that it doesn't matter the orientation that the payload lands. Is that correct? Yes. You'll still be able to track it because it pings off of radio waves instead of using a satellite. Is that correct? It it's so much better. You're going to have much better accuracy on where it lands and you can track it the entire time. So there are certain altitudes where your, your GPS tracker will not work. 
Um, and I don't remember what those are, but at some point it is going to go dark and it'll keep going and then you'll get it back. And then again, when it lands, if it doesn't land in the perfect orientation facing up, you're going to have issues. But I will say I've done this five times without the ham radio, the transmitter. I just did it with the GPS tracker and it was fine. It just, it makes for more unpredictability. <laughs> so speaking of predictability, and like you said, I'm a planner and this whole not being able to control the weather thing is really stressing me out. So how do you predict where this is going to land? How do you know? In the guide, there's a couple links there. So people have developed models for you to predict based on the weather conditions for that day. So if you were going to launch this, say, in June, you're not going to have a very accurate prediction right now here in March. Um, but you can start getting more accurate the closer to your launch date. So I want to say about a week beforehand, you can get a pretty accurate idea based on what the weather is going to be. Um, and it's really like two days before that you can have the most accurate information. And it has to do with the wind and the direction of the wind and the speed of the wind. There are some certain um, guidelines on the maximum wind speed that you should launch the weather balloon. Um, so I would look into that. And then as you're going up in altitude, you're going to experience different um, wind speeds. And so you might say, oh, it's only five miles an hour here on the ground, but then it goes up and it hits like 40 mile per hour winds. And that might be okay, but it might also take your weather balloon to the Gulf of Mexico <laughs> where, you know, I'm close to that. Um, or over a city, you don't want to land in a really populated area. And so these models will actually be able to predict where um, it's going to land within about a mile is the, is about the error that I have found. Um, so I know when I was la uh, launching it in San Antonio, we would go down south, about an hour south of San Antonio to make sure we would not go over any of the population, any of the main part of the city. And we always were able to, like I said, track it um, within about a mile of accuracy. So a mile of accuracy, is that like a mile radius that you had to figure out where it had landed? So this is a model. This is a prediction. Okay. So I'm okay knowing that it's going to land, you know, in some rural area. But as I'm tracking with the GPS, it was about, I want to say like 150 uh, meter accuracy um, radius for the actual GPS tracker. So whenever it's actually happening, you will get a signal and you will have a pretty good idea of what field, you know, where exactly it landed. The model is more to avoid like the big problems, like a city, a river, a lake, things like that. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. That'll be really helpful. So when you are trying to recover it, and say it lands on somebody else's property. Is there anything you did to your payload to make sure that you could recover it so that people didn't know that they, it was like some sort of spy software that's coming to attack them or something? I don't know. Would you like to hear a story? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very first weather balloon launch. First time I did this, okay. We put all over this payload, Harlandale Middle School. We literally posted a picture of children's faces on the payload, smiling, kind of like, please return me. But just to show like, you know, we are not the enemy. We're not spying on you. We're just some children launching a scientific experiment. 
in the high altitude science kit, there is something, I'm not sure if it's in the main kit, but it's a, a so, like a beam sonar or something. It beeps basically. And so I really wanted to use it because again, that GPS tracker only has certain accuracy. And so if you're in a field, you can listen for this beeping sound. Well, that's great when you're trying to find it, but when you're a random rancher and all of a sudden something falls from the sky and is beeping, (laughs) you have no idea what it is. What happened is if you can imagine we're in rural Texas, we land in the middle of this um, ranch on a tree. So the payload is up high, about 20 feet up. So you can't see the smiling faces of children or the <laughs> Harlandale Middle School. All you see is this large red thing that's beeping. So we're driving here um, to go get our payload because we've tracked it. And we're so excited. We drive out. And somebody was like, there is this notice going out on the radio to avoid this area because of a bomb. <laughs> No. We're like, surely that's not us. <laughs> and so we're like listening to the radio and they're like, the FBI has been alerted that there is a bomb in the vicinity. And we're like approaching this area and we're like, that's where our GPS tracker is sending us. So for hours, this thing is beeping and the local community is freaking out. They put in a report to the FBI for an unidentified object. <laughs> like, we don't know if it's an alien attacking, if it's the Russians sending a bomb, freaking out. Okay. So we don't know any of this is happening. In the meantime, the rancher takes it upon themselves to get their shotgun out and shoot the payload. No. Shoot at it and they hit the tree branch and cause the whole thing to fall. And then they decide to destroy it because, you know, that's the thing to do. And so they smash up the entire payload with the smiling faces of the children to get it to (laughs) stop beeping. Wait, Um, wait, wait, hold on. If they, if there is something that you would probably think is a bomb, why would you shoot at it? <laughs> Again, we are in rural Texas. Hey, easy. <laughs> I'm in rural Texas. <laughs> we are both Texans, so we're allowed to make fun. Um, well, honestly, I think they were nervous that someone was spying on their property because of the next part of the story. So we show up and we're like, hey, we found our GPS tracker is telling us that our payload landed here. We're looking for this. And we showed them a picture of what it looked like. And they were just like really skeptical. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we don't know what you're saying. And they're like, it's in the tree. We see it. It's right there. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah, that's been beeping. You know, kind of like it was weird. And so this uh, this other rancher guy, you know, just imagine like blue jeans, cowboy hat. He comes in and he's like, OK, I'll go get it for you. So he goes and gets the payload that has been smashed to the ground. And what we saw in the tree was actually the parachute that was stuck still in the tree. But the triangular payload was on the ground. And he brings it back. We're so excited. We're like, thank you so much for recovering it. And they tell us the whole story about how they called the FBI and all that. And we're like, yeah, we heard it on the radio. <laughs> and so we get the payload back and we go to upload the data. And we're like, we're going to get this epic footage, but there's no SD card. The SD card is gone. And they're like, oh, we don't know what happened. And I was like, we have the camera. The GoPro camera was intact in a protective case that is clamped shut, but there's no SD card. And we had an SD card when we started. I have that on footage that there's proof that we put in the SD card, but it's no longer there. 
So we begged them to give it back to us because we knew they took it and they were like, we didn't take it. They, they were you know, saying they were innocent. But we think what happened was they were doing something suspicious on this ranch yeah. and they were worried that we were spies taking footage of their whatever they were doing that they shouldn't be doing. And that's why they took our SD card and smashed our data. Oh man. And that was my first ever weather balloon launch. <laughs> That is so sad, but you know, what a great story of continuing on and pushing forward and not letting that deter you. Cause did you launch another balloon with that same group? Yes. So we did that in the beginning of May. So we had a couple weeks left before school was out and we did it on the second to last day of school. We launched it again. That was the story where the GPS tracker um, turned. And so we couldn't see it for about 12 hours. So we thought we had you know, lost it again. We ended up finding it. It was on some private property. Long story short, I was escorted in the back of a sheriff's car. Taken to the property. We retrieved it. We got it. We had all the data, amazing GoPro footage. So a happy ending and one of the most unforgettable experiences for the kids. That is amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure those kids are going to talk about that from forever and no telling if that might be the moment that they're like, you know, I want to do something big like this. Cause when I, so you know that I worked for Boeing space exploration, um, after college. And so our job as Boeing, when we were working for the space shuttle program was before the space shuttle launch, Boeing would send up weather balloons and take weather data right before the launch every hour to figure out what are the winds doing? What's the temperature doing? Is it going to be accurate? Is this going to be good for our launch? And then we take that data and we would actually load the trajectory of how the rocket should launch, um, for the launch of that space shuttle. So we were actually launching weather balloons, just like we're gonna do with these students. Like that's what real scientists and real engineers do to do really amazing things like launching things into space. So I think it's gonna be amazing. And I love that you have so many stories of persevering through challenges that I hope to learn from and hopefully won't repeat myself because I think <laughs> I would be a basket case. But. Um, but that's amazing. And getting to see that footage that I've seen from yours of where you can even see space and curvature of Earth's atmosphere is just amazing, unforgettable. Yep. It's definitely an epic adventure that has a lot of risk, but that's what makes it so fun because it's unpredictable. And I said that from day one to the kids. I don't know what's going to happen. And that's why this is awesome because this is nothing like you do in school where even in like a STEM class where we build a tower or like we have our Mars colony project, you know, the result, right? Like the physical model, it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. You have no idea if this is going to work out. I cannot promise the kids that they're going to get this epic footage. It may be amazing and it may be a complete disaster. And I think that's what's so fun. And either way, it's the learning experience along that path to get to the final project. So all the work is going to happen, you know, preparing your kids for that day of launch, right? And, you know, we should do another podcast as you get closer to your launch day. 
How do you assign the different roles? Because that's a fun day. <laughs> a lot can go wrong, but you have a lot of control on what the kids do, how to prepare them. How do you make sure everything's turned on? That was a big one. Because mm. um, you want to make sure it's all the calculations are done correctly for the helium, the cameras on, the GPS, and so on. And then the part of tracking um, is it's just so like awesome, you know, to be able to get some kids in a van and say, let's go find our balloon. And we drive for an hour and a half through, you know, random places and we have to get a sheriff involved. And, you know, it's just like a story. And the kids are excited because they know you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And yeah. so they feel like they're on this real adventure for you that they're going to talk about and the whole school is going to talk about. And so if you're going to do this project, don't get just your class, but get the whole school invested. Get your principal on board. Do like a little PSA or promo video saying we're going to launch a balloon and you can just you, you make a competition. Like I think you're going to ask the kids to compete on the science experiment. So try to go big with it with the end result of like we may or may not have a cool video, but at least we had fun doing this really awesome project. And I'm just so excited to hear your adventures, Claire, like what is going to come out of this. Um, so let's keep talking and I'll keep sharing, you know, my crazy stories. And, you know, I think we, we got to keep our listeners updated on your, your progress towards this project. Absolutely. And I'll be posting on social media. So if anybody wants to follow along, as we go through this journey and fail and persevere and hopefully succeed at the end. But <laughs> like you said, this is as real as it gets for STEM education. And that's what we want to give our kids is not some whimsical idea of making crafts and let's you build things and let's be creative. But this is what real world engineers and scientists do. And you can make a difference and do really awesome things when you're a kid, just like you can do when you're a real adult and um, be able to do amazing things. Yeah. So stay tuned. I'm excited. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye.